I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hi, and welcome to History Dweeb. I'm Tim Scott. Hope you enjoy the jazz music. It's um, appropriate for today's podcast. The topic of today's podcast is the Axeman of New Orleans, a notorious serial killer who terrorized a big easy back in 1918 and 1919. And this is part one of a two-part series on the New Orleans Axeman. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the attacks that occurred in the city of New Orleans in 1918 and 1919. We're going to talk about the victims uh, of these attacks. And these murders remain unsolved uh, up to today, over almost 100 years later. But in episode two, part two of this um, series, we're going to talk about the suspects. And we're actually going to reveal the identity of the New Orleans Axeman. First time ever. We think we've cracked this case. So you want to make sure to listen in to part two of this series. But today we're going to talk about the uh, attacks themselves and the victims of these attacks. I'm joined by Chuck Hawk Walters and Brandy Herman. Welcome. They're my co-host. And um, we're going to start off with a reading of a letter that was allegedly written by the New Orleans Axeman during the height of his terror. So, Chuck, uh, why don't you uh, read us a letter and tell us what you think about it. Esteemed mortal, they have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and the brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit, 
I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph, etc. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they were never born than to then incur the wrath of the Axeman. I do not think there is any need for such a warning, for I sure feel sure the police will always dodge me as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, your lineants think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am. But I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens, for I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, at 12.15, earthly time, on next Tuesday night, I'm going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well then, so much better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is some of your people who do not jazz it on Tuesday night, if there will be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tataris, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fancy. The Axeman. From Hell. March 13th. 1990. Thank you, Chuck, for that spine-tingling rendition of the Axeman letter. So what do you think, Chuck? Um, this was written at a time at the height of the attacks. Uh, it was published in um, the New Orleans newspapers, and it created quite a stir. Um, so what was your thoughts of, of this letter? Was this letter real or a hoax? It was almost certainly a hoax. Um, It was written by someone who was very well educated. There's no spelling errors, no grammatical errors. Um, There's a a reference to Tartarus, which in Greek mythology was the prison that they kept the Titans in. It was also a torture chamber, a torture dungeon. Um, uh, It was... My view was written by someone who was trying to see if he could get a reaction out of all New Orleans, and he certainly did. It was one of the loudest nights New Orleans had ever had that Tuesday night. There were no murders. Um, The bars were open all night. There was jazz playing from everywhere. Um, Another interesting thing is he says his satanic majesty... Francis Joseph, etc., which is equating the King of Hungary with Satan, which is kind of interesting. So, but but all in all, it seems to be a hoax. But no one ever really found out for sure. 
Yeah, and I think that's what I think lends to the mystique of this whole thing. Um, when you research this thing, it's hard to kind of separate fact from fiction because it's been kind of embellished over the years, and uh, which makes it difficult a hundred years later to go back and try to try to find out what is true and what is not true. The two things that we know, though, that are true are that um, the murders did occur. There was attacks. People were um, attacked in their home by uh, someone with an axe. Uh, There were 12 victims total. Um, That's one thing we know for sure. And the second thing we know for sure is that um, these attacks, these assaults remain um, unsolved. No one was ever uh, held accountable for uh, these vicious, bloody murders in, uh, in 1918, 1919. So um, those two things are true. We know those are facts. And the rest of it, a lot of it's been embellished over the years. And it's, like I said, it's kind of hard to um, sort fact from fiction. But let's take a step back. And uh, Brandy, why don't you give us some background on these uh, grisly uh, murders? Okay, so some of the history that goes on with this is, um, you know, starting back in uh, around 1918, these people, um, like Tim said, started getting murdered in their homes, and they were killed with razor blades and and mainly axes. Now, in the back, um, all of them always had a panel um, chiseled out of their door um, that the axe man slid through, and the axe was always... um, it was left at the scene, but not only was it left there, it was it was the property of the homeowner. So this guy was getting into their house and using their own axes to to kill them. Um, and this went on until 1919. And after um, after the the night that Chuck previously talked about with the with the jazz and everything, they didn't have any more murders. They have any more murders after that? Yeah, there were a couple more attacks. Were there? Yeah, there like two, two attacks more. after that. Um, but he but he tapered off after that. Yeah. I don't know. You know, we don't know if he got bored or, or what he was doing or if he moved on. Um, but it was this gentleman liked to um, exert control over over all of his victims, um, and he generally he went after he went after men, um, and it looks to me like women were. Mainly uh, an afterthought. If they were there, um, they would get an axe to the head. But I, it didn't look to me like they were prime targets. Um, for a long time, they thought maybe they were targeting um, Italian grocers. Uh, but as it turns out, not all of the people were Italian grocers. Um, they thought for a long time they might be mob hits um, or the black hand. And um, it doesn't look like that was that was the case, mainly because... Especially back in back in um, in those times, the mob lived by a strict code, and one of those codes was you didn't go after um, the women and the children, which was not the case here. So um, you know, like I said, this went on. It went on from you know, 1918, 1919. There was some stuff that went on in 1911 that that was attributed to the Axe Man, uh, but there's no real proof to that. It's just that seems to just be folklore at this point. And in like 1919, it just stopped. Yeah. Just stopped. Just stopped. Just all stopped. Yeah, and uh, we don't know why. Nope. But we need, do know that they were um, 12 victims mm-hmm. total. Some were murdered. It's surprising so many of them lived, lived. after getting hit in the head with an axe, which is, I thought was strange. I Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's not taking care of your tools properly. <laughs> you don't think he sharpened them before he used And see, them? I also think that... Um, poor planning. I think it might have been, he was... I'm, I, I think he might have actually been targeting the women and the guys got in the way. That's how I saw it. But it may be, I mean, I don't know, it may be different. Well, one of the first ones where they had the, the drunk guy that was going to war that you'll get into, that we'll get into here in a little bit, there were no women in that house. Right, right. And um, then it, but, the, but there was also cases where it was just, just a woman in the house. So, Chuck, won't you tell us, let's start going down the list of the victims. Won't you tell us um, what you got? Well, the first victims were the Maggios, uh, Joseph and Catherine. They were grocers. They'd been married 15 years. They, nothing really spectacular about them. They were just ordinary people, ordinary citizens in New Orleans. Um, on May 22nd, 1918, Andrew, Joseph's brother, got his draft notice, and he was not pleased about getting drafted. This was World War I. World War One, yeah. And he uh, went out and got liquored up. So That's he, never nice. Well, no. Nothing good ever comes yeah, from that. Nothing, exactly. No, no. And he comes home, and he got home about 4 in the morning, and he hears groaning coming from a bedroom. Of course. Which, you know, is not unusual in New Orleans at 4 o'clock in the morning, but... So he goes to investigate, and he finds Jake and Catherine with profuse bleeding. Uh, They're in their bed. Catherine is on top of Joseph. Joseph's been hit with an axe a couple times. Now, Catherine had been hit in the the head with an axe one time, but the killer took a straight razor and cut her throat. And he cut her throat so deeply it damn near severed her head. So they they were both dead, obviously. And uh, wasn't the razor like his brother's or something like that? Yeah, that's kind of the interesting thing about this was the axe that they were killed with and the razor that they were killed with were both in the house when the killer got there. The killer did not bring his weapons with him. Poor planning. <laughs> Again, poor planning. planning. It is good, good execution. And almost in all these Obviously. cases, like Brandy said, the axe was uh, the homeowners. Yeah. Um, and it's an interesting point about the knife, the using the, the blade, because that will come back when we talk about the suspects. We'll talk about that, too. So. Yeah, and they, they assumed it happened right before dawn, um, and they they were the first victims. Yeah, did they, they, were both, they were both murdered. They were both murdered. Yeah, they were both murdered, apparently, uh, possibly in their sleep, possibly not, as they found Catherine on top of Joseph. So, you know. I'm not diving on top of my husband to save him from an axe murder. I'm just saying. I He may have been using Catherine as a human shield. <laughs> um, I, or they may Catherine have been didn't. in... Yeah, she probably you know, didn't. They may have been in the midst of a... You think they were in the throes of passion? Romantic trice. A lovemaking session, perhaps. A lovemaking session that went awry. (laughs) So awry. So took a laugh. It did go awry. Some people like rough sex, but I don't think they like it that rough. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... um, (laughs) Apparently, they gave the murderer no safe word. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so these are our first victims. It was the, the Maggios, and um, 
the next the next victim the next attacks by those big soap proper with so the next victims were Lewis this summer and his live-in mistress Harriet Lowe slut and it occurred on June the 6th and this was like I said this is kind of a soap opera Mr. Bissumer was 59 years old and a native of Poland but he was so he wasn't Italian but he was also a grocer and um, they found him early in the morning one of the guys who delivered bread to the store um, came to the store as usual and uh, didn't see anyone so he went around and knocked on the side door uh, where he heard some um, movement inside and then uh, he opened the door and Mr. Sumer came out and his head was all bloodied face covered with blood and he had um, you know a head wound and uh, he uh, pointed toward the bedroom he didn't say anything, he just pointed to the bedroom, and um, this uh, delivery guy went to the bedroom where he found um, Harriet Lowe, who I said, as I said, was uh, Louis Bissumer's live-in mistress, Slut. and she was covered with blood. There was blood-soaked sheets. She had a terrible head wound. Um, there was bloody footprints that led away from the bed on the floor. Keep that in mind for later. Um, the delivery guy wanted to call the police, but oddly, Mr. Uh, Bissumer tried to stop him and wanted to take them to, wanted him to call a private physician instead, but the uh, delivery guy uh, said nah to that, and he contacted the police anyway, and ambulance came for both victims. Once again, they found that the um, assailant entered through the door, uh, back door, the back door through a um, panel that was chiseled out, and a rusty hatchet or axe was the weapon, and it was found in Basumer's bathroom. This became kind of a soap opera because um, both uh, Mr. Basumer and his mistress, Slut. Yeah, Harriet Lowe, survived the attacks, but... Um, neither could really give a good description of the attack or Miss, Mrs. Lowe said that she thought at first that that was uh, someone uh, a mulatto character uh, who had attacked them but um, Mr. Basumer gave no indication he, he couldn't remember but they had this whole um, affair thing going on that added to kind of the circus of this whole event. So Miss Lowe goes to the hospital. She's in there a couple days. Uh, the police investigate is investigating and they talk to Mr. Basumer and he asked them if he could um, conduct his own investigation with the, which they thought was kind of odd. Um, shady. Shady, yeah. Shady. And Should have called uh, Scooby. Yeah, but in... In, um, in the end, the police would not let him do that, of course. And Mrs. Lowe ended up, uh, a couple weeks later, going to have some surgery, and she died. So she di- actually died of her wounds um, and, and the surgery that resulted from her wounds. But before she died, she pointed the finger at Louis Basumer as the guy who um, attacked her which I thought was kind of odd that he would attack her and then hit himself in the head with an axe, but... Hey, you know, it's called commitment. Yeah, it was, yeah, he was committed. So, not only that, um, Mr. Basumer's in the midst of all this uh, drama, 
Mr. Basumer's real wife um, from Cincinnati shows up, and this becomes kind of a big scandal, and it becomes like a media circus. Um, Mrs. Lowe also, uh, Harriet Lowe, before she died, claimed that uh, Mr. Basumer had hit her with the axe, and also that he was a German spy, which was interesting. And so um, this was during the First World War, so there was a, you know, everyone was kind of on high alert for uh, anti-American activity. So she threw the old German spy uh, allegation. Right right out there, didn't she? Right out there, yeah. And there were neighbors who uh, said that they knew that uh, Lewis and Harriet were doing opiates. So there was everybody was doing opiates. The drug angle to this. Wonder the DEA didn't. If the DEA was in existence, I'm sure they would have got. This would be scandalous if it happened tomorrow. It would would be scandalous. And and, and these people were dead at the time, so she could basically say anything she wanted about it. Well, the neighbors said they were doing opiates. Yeah, the neighbors were saying those allegations. Actually, the federal investigators did come in and investigate um, this whole uh, spy angle. But they kind of uh, said, nah, this was a lover squirrel, squall, and they just kind of dropped it. Um, so, but anyway, Mr. Basumer actually does get charged with this murder, but uh, based on um, Harriet Lowe's um, allegations before she died. But the jury went out about 10 minutes, and they, they, they found him not guilty because uh, they said there was just not enough evidence. And... And, and they thought his strange actions was a, was due to the fact he was just trying to cover up the affair, not that he was trying to cover up the, any attack. And the fact, as I said, he also was attacked, made it kind of um, kind of hard to believe that he. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. He was actually the one who committed this crime. Uh, Harriet Lowe died uh, two weeks after the attack. Um, 
occurred. And on the same day that she died, um, there was an, another attack. In this, in this case, it was a young 19-year-old woman um, named Mrs. Snyder, and we don't know her first name. Uh, we, were, we couldn't find that in research, but she was married to a businessman named Edward Schneider. Mrs. Schneider was alone at the time of the attack. She was nine months pregnant, and uh, it occurred in the afternoon. She doesn't remember anything other than she was taking a nap, and she woke up, and she saw a dark figure standing over her with an axe, and then uh, he hit her with the axe and made a, a, a wound to her head and knocked out some of her teeth. Um, she was hospitalized, and um, but she she survived, and uh, a week later gave birth to a healthy uh, baby. Now that attack occurred in the afternoon, which is different than a lot of the other ones. Yes, and then she was a female alone, a two, which was which different. is different. different. Yeah, exactly. So um, <coughs> as I said, she was pregnant. The baby survived, and then after that, there was another attack. Well, and which is a little inconsistent with that attack. The, the attack's the same, but the behavior of the attacker is not the same in this one. The next guy was, um, let's see, that was Joseph Romano. Now, he was, he was a grocer, too. And he was an old guy living with his two nieces. Perv. Two adult nieces. They're pervy. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure uh, what was going on there. They're probably old maids. Now, this might not even have been an Axeman murder. This could be a PMS murder. I mean, you're living really? with two Really? That's what we're women. going with? PMS murder? <clears throat> you're living with two PMS grown women. You, well, now here's the facts of this. Okay. Guy comes in, finds his axe, just like he does in every other murder. All right. Now, well, first of all, why in the hell you got an axe in your house? Oh, we're especially well, when the axe man. When the axe well, man's coming, you know what? Hide, well, hide the damn you, do, you do need to hide your axe. And I was thinking about why these, all these people would have axes, because right now, you know, now nobody would have an axe, you know. Oh, Renee sleeps with a hatchet. Well, I'm sure that. she does. But now nobody would have an axe. But, you know, back then they cut for firewood. They cut to, well, you know. You, you can't swing a dead cat without, without hitting an axe. axe. So, I mean... <laughs> So, you know, they had, to, they had to cut wood and different things in order to eat and heat water and do all these kinds of things. Man, so everybody would have, no, it would suck. And that's why I was born in this time, this great time to be alive where we yeah. can spy on people and yeah. do all these fun things. We have apps. We do, we have, have, an app for we that. do have an app for that. But <laughs> we have an app to find an axe. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, that's why all these people had axes was because, you know, that's what they needed it. Why to put that shit away? He'd have killed me with a spoon. Oh well, you'd you needed to lock it in yeah. a gun safe. Uh, if he came in my house, he would have had to kill me with a spoon because that's Spork. all I would have had. A out. spork. A spork. I, he wouldn't have. So anyway, getting back to Joseph Romano, he. Uh, I'm not saying he may have been diddling the two nieces. They were adults. So, yeah. You know. Why would you say that? Uh, no, I'm not saying he did. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Please make you that just kind of put it out no. there. Yeah, because we. No, we this is my Glenn Beck part of the show. Oh, Glenn I'm not Beck. saying he was. Right. There was anything uh, amiss. Amiss with this relationship. Sure, uh, you're backing off those albums. But here is something. No, it's a question I'm throwing out there okay. for our listeners. It's a, it's a question, though, not a statement. Right. So, but here's here's an interesting thing about him is he was a grocer, um, old guy. Had a little bit of money, but not really wealthy. He had two nieces living with him. Now, in your case, the axe man comes over and the woman screams, and he whacks the hell out of her with an axe. Now, in this case, the niece, one niece discovers the body, 
um, discovers not the body, but actually him. He had been gravely wounded. But the other niece awakes, finds a shadowy dark figure over the top of her holding an axe, Pauline, his niece Pauline. She screams and he runs away. Now, that leads me to believe there was no axe man in that house. There was a torqued off woman that needed a Reese cup and the uncle said something wrong. Really? I'm just, that's my theory on this. Now, he's listed as one of the victims of the Axeman, but the, the pattern doesn't fit. Because had Pauline screamed, he would have just hit her in the forehead with the axe. So you think this is a copycat? I think it's a copycat. I, I think a the lot of copycats. took advantage of it. Um, again, the house was ransacked, but nothing was taken. Yeah, and that's the same um, with all, almost all of these, right? There's no yeah, there's robbery no, or anything. Mm-hmm. There's involved. no yeah, robbery. No motive. But, but when Pauline screams, why doesn't she get the axe in the forehead? Maybe he was cutting her. Maybe she liked jazz. He knew she liked jazz. Or maybe... He was never there. He was never there. Maybe, you know, maybe, you know, Mr. Romano, he forgot to put his teacup away. Are you kidding me right now? We need to get off the PMS label. No, I'm just saying, when you live with your two nieces and you're an old guy, and you can get on their nerves a little bit, so anyway, now, and now here's another thing about Joseph. Um, he, he was a tough old guy. Now, he took a couple axe shots to the head, got up and walked to the damn ambulance. That's a man. Walked to the damn that's ambulance. That's a man for you. Oh, that is, they don't that, make him like that anymore. You no, would take one axe shot to the head and you know be done. I, I'm, I'm because crawling, after I'm living crawling. with two nieces for however long. He just wanted out. He just wanted out. He didn't care. <laughs> it was like, shit, hit me with an axe. He might have hit himself with the damn axe just to get out. I see an axe, I'm in a fetal position. <laughs> you know what? They could have been going back and forth, the cackling or whatever, or you know, what? just driving him crazy. He hit him damn self in the head with an axe. I mean, Tim, you've been married. How many times have you wanted to hit yourself in the head with an axe? I want to hit you in the head with an axe. Uh, my ex might be listening, so I'm, I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> okay, well, I will say, just last night, I wanted to hit myself in the head with an axe. You should have called okay. me. I'd have done it for you. Okay, yes. I'm sure Renee would have done it. If right. She had just ask. Just and then ask. He dies two you days to, later. You need to leave an axe in your home. I, I, I On the have porch. An axe. Renee has an axe. Put it. But the uh, one of the more interesting to get back onto Mr. Romano is that he gets hit in the head with the with axe, the hatchet, walks out to the ambulance, dies two days later, and gives them absolutely no information on the killer. None at all. That's a theme. Yeah, none of these, I mean, all the information they have is either it's a dark figure or... His niece, Pauline, said it was a dark-skinned, heavy-set, shadowy, that term keeps coming up, uh, shadowy figure with with an odd hat. Now, it could have been the Frito Bandito. I don't know. Like, he's known. <laughs> he's known for that. Yeah, yeah, I know. But, you know, the thing is, when you start getting into New Orleans and the history of New Orleans and the, the really rich culture that's down in New Orleans, you start getting into, you know, first of all, these people are, you know, have great faith in voodoo. They have, you know, they fear, they believe in ghosts. They have all these things, especially back in the early 1900s, that, you know, they have these things that they believe 
And so for somebody to say it's a shadowy figure, well, first of all, obviously right away it's going to be something of another world. Because they believe right. that stuff. And, and, and that's the kind of, and you had the panels that were too small for really a human to crawl through. Mm-hmm. And so then, the, you know, the, they pick up and it becomes almost mytho- mythology. That, yeah. the, that there's this spirit that comes through. Like, if a spirit, my, in my opinion, if a spirit, if it's a spirit, it could go under the floor or something. It doesn't need to, it doesn't it doesn't need need to chisel out anything out. out. Right. No, however, the, the types of doors, like I have a panel door. Right. If you wanted to get into my door, the way to do it is to chisel out a panel, reach through, and unlock the door. Yeah. And and these people for some reason seem to think that the killer didn't do that. See through the door. He, yeah. You know, came through and Well, yeah, like Brandy said, it, it was you know, the whole New Orleans thing with the voodoo and all that's going on. And that and that's what makes this kind of hard to get all the facts of this case is because it's um you know, there's so much of uh, the supernatural stuff surrounding it. We know that these these things happen, these attacks happen. But we, it's hard when it gets, these stories get embellished. Okay, so Brandy, who's our next victims? Who are our next victims? Um, well, I actually did a little research on a, uh, it was a family. Um, it was Charles, Rosie, and Mary Cordemagilia. And Charles, late on uh, March 10th in 1919, they actually lived um, in a suburb of New Orleans called Gretna. And, um, you know, late in the evening on March 10th, um, you know, neighbors come running over. They hear these screams. And so these neighbors come running over, and they meet um, Rosie at the door with her infant daughter, Mary. Um, Rosie's, Rosie's just jacked up. She's got a serious head wound. She's bleeding all over the floor. She's making a mess. Uh, the tragedy, the tragedy to this is she's holding her dead two-year-old who'd been struck in the back of the head with an axe. So the baby's dead. Um, and they go to, they go on into the house, the neighbors go on into the house and they discover Charles and he's laying on the floor and he's got this just huge gaping wound in his torso. So everybody goes to the hospital, obviously. The, the two-year-old is pronounced, um, DOA. Everybody goes to the hospital and they release, um, they release Rosie. And Rosie starts talking to the police. And she, he, uh, claims, she claims that this Irlando Giordano and his 18-year-old son Frank were the ones that were responsible for this attack. And these are neighbors? They are neighbors. They also own another grocery store. And there was some... There was some tension between these two families. They had a feud, you might say. Oh, competition. Yes, they had they had a feud. It was it was a grocer's feud. So she claims it was it was these two guys. Now, the father, who was um, almost seventy years old, Irlando, um, he was just in poor health. There was just no way he was going to commit these crimes. Um, and Frank, the son was over six foot tall and he weighed over 200 pounds there's no way he's fitting through the little panel in the door that was cut out just wasn't going to happen her story doesn't add up not only does her story not add up but when they ask charles about it charles is swearing up and down no 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 it was not them it was not them it was not them um but they arrest them um and they arrest them and they charge them 
and they're found guilty, actually. And Frank was sentenced to hang, sentenced, excuse me, sentenced to hang, and Irlando was sentenced to life in prison. Um, after the trial, this created so much tension um, within the marriage of Charles and Rosie, they divorced, um, which wasn't as common back then, but they, they divorced after this trial just created so much animosity. Because he said she was lying. He said she's lying. Yeah. She's, you know, this just this is not what happened. Now, it doesn't say that she never makes another, Charles never makes another statement about who he thinks it is. Um, and actually, Rosie, um, not till about 10 years later, Rosie finds Jesus and comes forward and says that, you know, yeah, they didn't do it. These guys are- meanwhile, these guys are sitting in prison, one of them on death row, and the other one's just hanging out. So she... Um, she has this paper has a year. Um, there's another source that says that states ten years. Um, but she she walks into the police station and she announces that she lied. She's found Jesus and she announces that she lied. Um, and they the uh, the Giordanos get released from jail. Um, however, they never uh, found out who attacked this who attacked this family, and you know killed the baby girl. And they, and I guess this, I'm guessing it was about a year because back in those times, appeals didn't take so long. If you were sentenced to hang, you hung pretty quickly. Well, right, right. You would think so. Is this the is this the one that had the eight people in? Uh, no. There was one case where there was like eight people in the house, and no one could describe the the attacker. No. What I don't understand, what I'm struggling with is, um, every source, and again, this stuff is spotty, but every source states that. Mary uh, was killed while, while sleeping in her mother's arms with a single blow to the back of the neck. So what I don't understand is the physics of that. Human shield. She's she using the baby as a human shield. You know well, she's obviously shield? not a good person. I mean, you know, she... Yeah, she falsely accused She falsely guys. accused yeah. the people that find her. These are the neighbors that ran over when she screamed. These are the neighbors that are offering her help. And she turns around and accuses them. So yeah. she's she's a craptastic person. Well, but you know she she also just lost her daughter. So I mean, you know it's it you know maybe that she they, she she saw them as they come for help, and then she just in hysteric. And I get that, and I give her I'll give her a pass on that for maybe a month, maybe even two. But whether it's a year or ten, she doesn't come forward till long after. I mean, and Chuck's right. These guys could have been the one that Frank could have been killed. Right. In the meantime. So we know that they didn't do it, and they were they were exonerated. they were exonerated. Okay. Okay. So then, after this, these attacks, I believe, is when we have um, the letter that Chuck had read earlier appear in the New Orleans. Is the New Orleans Times Picayune? New Orleans Times Picayune. Yeah. So the letter appears, and now everyone is on edge. Right. Everyone is freaked out over this. Man that is on the loose in the city, uh, apparently uh, attacking people at random in their homes. And we were talking earlier. The interesting thing about the letter that in the paper, as Chuck said, he the axe man promised not to uh, murder anyone who played jazz music on that particular Tuesday or whatever. Yeah, that night. Yeah, and it, and and it worked. It was louder than Mardi Gras that night. I but mean, but the funny live. thing is that there were some people who were actually inviting the Axeman into their homes. They wrote letters to the newspapers saying, 
you know, come into my house. Right. Don't break the door. Yeah. I window, I'll leave I'll, a window I'll open. I'll leave a yeah. window open. Please don't break my door. Like the Motel 6. Yeah. We'll mostly, leave a light on for you. They're mostly guys who have been married 10, 15, 20 years. <laughs> so. Uh, they, they just uh, said, you know, hey, come and get me. What do I Obviously, do? some some people yep. were calling bullshit on the on the whole uh, letter. Uh, which or I they think, were hoping he showed up. Or maybe. Maybe they wanted to get the uh, axe. But there were actually two attacks that occurred after the letter went out uh, on August the 10th. A uh, man by name, a uh, man by name of Steve Bucco, who was guess what? what guess his profession. He a was a grocer. Yes, he was a grocer. He was an Italian grocer, and he was attacked in his sleep by an axe. Uh, with the help of a friend, he was able to get to the hospital, but he had no memories of the details of the attack. But again, a panel had been chiseled out from his door, and the axe was left in his kitchen. Nothing had been taken. Then three weeks after that attack, on September 3rd, um, someone gained entry into the home of Sarah Lauman, uh, but it, this time they didn't go through a door panel, but um, she was found unconscious in her, in her bed with multiple head wounds uh, to her head and a bloody axe outside uh, the, an open window. So uh, she survived, uh, Steve Boko survived, but... Uh, some of the folks were not so fortunate. So now she was um, was she? There was only one victim. One of the victims was black. Was that Sarah? Yeah, Lauren? it was Sarah. That was okay. Sarah. She was the only black victim. Everyone else, if you look at this, everyone else has a name that ends in a in a vowel. Um, <laughs> Is that what we're going with now? Well, okay. I mean, this so, is like the well, I mean, one part of it I mean, is the victims like, are Pepitone, yeah, uh, the, the Maggio. One of the thoughts is that um, that uh, there was some racial overtones to this. That the attacker was was picking on Italian Americans who, you know, this was a time during, uh, you know, right in the midst of World War One and. Uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, immigration going on in the U.S., and um, I don't know so much New Orleans. I mean, I'm not sure that that played a factor in it, but there were, many of the victims were of Italian descent. And grocers. And grocers, for some reason, grocers. I think someone was, it's possible that someone was making a move on the grocers. Someone got overcharged. Well, no. That's I what mean, happened. Someone was trying to consolidate their grocery industry, much like, you know. Well, one of the you when know, they opened up gambling in Atlantic City, they had the mob wars. Yeah, you know, well, one of the one of the theories, and we'll get into this next show, is that the um, these were uh, mob hits, as Brandy mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, one of the theories is that the mob was trying to shake down these grocers to pay um, protection money. Mob doesn't but, kill women. And well, and there's been no real evidence of that. Uh, there was, you know, that was a theory, but it's been, you know, it hasn't been uh, substantiated. And uh, and all the victims weren't grocers. Some, right. Most of them were, but not all, and not all were Italian. So it's a mystery. But it's a mystery that we're going to solve next next in the next episode because we. The Scooby Doo and the Mystery Machine. Yeah, we have dug deeper. We have dug deeper, and <laughs> we have um, we have a suspect. We have a suspect, and we're going a viable to, suspect. A viable suspect. 
that we will reveal in uh, part two of this series on the New Orleans axe murders. So make sure to tune in for that. Until then, Brandy, Chuck, anything you want to add? Good day, sir. <laughs> Thank you, no. Foghorn Leghorn. Brandy, anything you want to add? Not after that. No, I'm good. <laughs> okay, so make sure you tune in next time to History Greaves. Until then, we'll be seeing you later and keep playing the jazz music. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.